Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. It is November. I don't know how we made it here, but Greg Hughes is in the house. Mara Carabello. Yes. Thanks for being here. 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 We have attendance. Yeah. Hi, hi. And we have Madeline, an intern, listening in here, too. So we'll be on good behavior for her. Um, I, like, you guys were gone for a week, and I I was, like, so stressed because I was, when I miss you guys, I'm just like, there's so much (laughs) to talk about, and we have to squeeze it all in to fit it in, so. There has been a lot. It feels like. It's all day to day. It's a, I mean, but that's every week. I know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it always. It's always it the should, case. Yeah, lot so, to unpack. Yeah, thanks politics yes. for keeping things exciting for us. And I feel like sometimes in the summer months and when you move into the holidays, it gets quiet and it's like, what are we going to talk about? Not so no, much. No, we're not having that problem. So no. here's my countdown: ha- Halloween's I, in yes. the rearview mirror. Uh, I don't know if you saw, but Romney dressed as my favorite costumes of the year: Travis Kelsey and then his wife was Taylor Swift. Pulled it off nicely. Yeah. Uh, John Curtis, Representative Curtis, was SpongeBob. It looked like he was wearing a toddler-sized SpongeBob. Did you guys see that? Though I was like, this is an interesting no. choice. And no. I didn't see if any of our other um, politicians dressed up. Because they're grown adults, they don't dress up. Oh, they don't? Do you dress up, Greg? <laughs> no, I what don't What do you do up. for Halloween? You're not like the cool dad <laughs> no, that like This empty? was actually a down. This was a very quiet Halloween. Kids are all adults now, you know, and we used to have. Did you have trick-or-treaters? We did, but usually, like, my, my wife's uh, siblings, their kids will come over and, the, and my in-laws will be over. We'll watch the World Series while, the, yeah. while Halloween's going on. Congratulations to Texas. Yeah. They were, yeah, it was exciting. They, it was a boring game that night. They were like so 10 nothing by the but top of the third. But you're in the reproduction mecca almost. I mean, mm. Daybreak gets that, but you're in Traper. So but you, you know what? It's starting to scale down. No, we're just getting less yeah. traffic. So no one showed because everybody's gotten older. A lot. I, I, I've no, never heard it before that. You I'm know what? I just accepted Mars crazy premise. I just went right <laughs> over it. I didn't. I it was a speed bump on, on ultimately to my point. And it, it was that we didn't have the young ones that came to our house. We didn't have anything going on with the family. I didn't want to answer the door. So I got it. Reagan, my my youngest yeah. of my old, no, my yeah. adult kids, but he answered the door to hand out the, the candy, and I just watched the baseball game. And We got fewer it than was ever a- before. Oh, really? You're yeah, which I'm blaming solely on trickered. Trunk or treating, which I'm vehemently against, and I think it's why we're losing to China. Because I think <laughs> I think that we're making our kids soft. It is kind of lazy. Soft. You get so much candy. I mean, seriously, you can't walk more what than would, a foot. And let me then ask you a question: What would you like, think about a bill? I've heard this. Actually, this is true. The last year, where it was the to change would Halloween you, Friday. Would you prefer that Halloween always land on a Saturday evening? No. Answers so no. Part of the fun is that just sometimes on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, your kids just like run amok. There's a lot of times where they do that trunk or tree, I think, because they don't want their kids running around late at night, school night, all that other stuff. Work it out, man. So, like, start at five. Like, get strong. We, you've talked about Draper Soft. I mean, we cannot continue to perpetuate. I I, I hear you. I won't speak for either (laughs) of you, um, but I'm older than Google, okay? I am. I'm older. I don't even know how Google is, so that sounds old. So, you know. Halloween was nothing but upside. I never knew that, oh, I got to be in bed early so I can go to school. There was nothing. There was no downside to to Halloween. So I didn't have to have it on a special weekend day. So did your 
mom let you, and then you did as a parent, just let your kids get as much candy as they want, eat it till they puke that night? Or did you have rules like, one, we got to go to bed, that kind of thing? No, there was, it was, it, the only rule is theft. You weren't allowed to steal everybody else's. That's it. Just okay, you can you have your own yeah, stash, basics. and you can't get into someone else's. After yeah. that, it was uh, no holds bar. I think Just we were a little parsed out. You were know? you? Yeah. Did you dress up though for all the kids to come, and then they didn't come? What were you? We this year. Mm-hmm. I never. I don't like to dress up, but um, Chris Burbank is a firm believer in full size candy bars. Oh, okay. So we are. That's that good house. to know. Yeah, he's deeply committed to full size. That candy is. Bars. I appreciate that's actually that. <laughs> that that will draw a lot of attention. That's. I'm actually going to come. Is it yeah. to your home? Does he have yeah. a specific kind of candy bar or does he do a whole array? He does arrays and it's important to him that he gets the right composition. So mm. when you yeah, when you stop by the kids must now, be again, so excited for that. Because of our low turnout, if you are interested in a full size candy bar, Greg Hughes, please visit the Exoro group. Yes, where we have it I, in our I, I, in I can our tell break you right now, now the Exoro group has many candy bars we that do. only tease well, my, my e- palate. Except now that's not true. Go okay. into the break room and those full size are yours. Okay, I'm going. Yeah. That's that's actually that's good cool. to know. Yeah. I'm I'm never fun. I don't know why, but I'm just not into Halloween. And I feel like when I was younger, I liked dressing up. But as an adult, I think I've always either been working a morning show. So mm. at like seven o'clock, it was bedtime, and I wanted people to go away, or I work at night, so I'm not there. So I'm just you know I'm what? Just like I, okay, I, and I, I don't really like sugar either. So I'm I was like, with mm. you until this year when it was so quiet. Like I never, I always thought I was like, oh, here we go, we had deals, you know, the Halloween. But then this year when it was just totally quiet and we had nothing going, I thought, eh, I kind of missed that, I guess. Yeah. I actually have decided, and then maybe I'll re-decide when I'm a grandma someday, but I was like, you know what? I didn't put the like huge effort in as a mom. So maybe when I'm a grandma, I'm going to be one of those really awesome grandmas that has a costume and I'll have parties for my grandkids or I don't know what. We carved pumpkins with the little guys. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And they stopped by. They were dinosaurs. I'm not. I I'll never dress up. I'm just talking about like watching... We're the World Series. My brother-in-law, and my father-in-law, my brother-in-law. Those are good memories. That's it. All right. Did your That's team win? Part. I, I I didn't care either. No one team had a team. Was going to win. This is they, these were nice two surprise teams, teams, but though. there's too many innings in baseball for me. Now, actually, they made changes in baseball uh, with a clock, time clock, and and or pitch clock, yeah, and they made some changes that were actually made it a lot more watchable. It sped up the game. I thought it was. I didn't like the changes. I didn't want changes. And then when they came. I was okay with it. Oh, you were good so with it. So much nicer. That's to good watch. to know. Yeah. So now that we have the World Series done, we have Halloween done. <laughs> here's my countdown: fourteen days until a possible government shutdown. Eighteen days out from Utah's special election Ooh. day. Twenty days until Thanksgiving. Those are very close. And fifty-two days until Christmas. If you're counting wow. down. So we have a lot to pack into the next few weeks. So it's going to be jam-packed. My take on all three of these dates: fourteen days. Uh, they'll they'll do some concurrent resolution with some strings attached that'll that'll push it hey, to. January or April. You're going to bust out the whole show right no, now? No, no. I'm just going to give you my your, checklist. Let me take your got, hot You know we got okay. items out of that. All right. Hit it. Yeah. 14 days. Is, they're not going to find it. They don't okay. have any solution. They're going to punt it to January or April. Are they going to punt it to January or, or April. April? Which Wait, one? Whatever the caucus says. This yeah. is this is okay. the climate you're in. So yeah. it's whatever the caucus says. Republican caucus in the House, that'll be the yeah. date they land. Yeah. 18 out, days out from the Utah special election. Tuesday before Thanksgiving. That'll be an interesting turnout to see. That's, mm-hmm. that's an experiment. Uh, 20 days before Thanksgiving, all I will say is this, do not talk a word, don't speak a word of Christmas until we have lived through this Thanksgiving holiday. I cannot stand discussions about Christmas before we've gotten through Thanksgiving. You want to be thankful that's first? That's it. That's my, that's my okay. checklist. I totally agree with you, but because you laid down such a gauntlet... <laughs> 
I think see, I'm going to start sending you Christmas carols right now. Just the contrarian in you. Just has I, mean, like, to, I have to bring just, it out in you. Gave me a, like a direct command. So while I agree with you philosophically, uh, I may now have to. I, I should have framed that. But I'm starting to get anxiety. Be I've always been a the day after Thanksgiving or that weekend right. at some point I put Christmas up, but now because Instagram influencers have to influence, mm-hmm. it's like. Before it's Halloween, like they start showing you how to decorate your mantle right. and your tree, and they've got this it up. And then I start to feel like, am I wrong? Should I put it up? And then <laughs> no. I just am questioning Resist. myself. Resist. Just, I know. It's Thanksgiving. And this is, I always do it with my daughter, and it's my first year where my daughter hasn't come home from college and is a real grown-up and lives in another state, so I'm going to have to put it all up by myself. So, I Anyhow. feel like Madeline, who's visiting us today, wonders if this is a political podcast. I know. It's coming. <laughs> Just waiting for it. I know. So I'm glad we could all share our feelings with you. Uh, I want to talk about the election stuff, which is getting mushed in with mashed potatoes and stuffing and all that. And the interesting thing is there are important races going on. There's always important races. I didn't even know I had a race in South Mm. Jordan, and I got a ballot on my counter, and I was like, huh. And there's one council seat of someone running unopposed. My husband's like, do we even have to vote for this? I'm like, yes, they have to have a certain amount of people. It's how it works. So mine's super boring, but we have mayoral elections. Uh, We have the CD2 race going on. I want to get to those in just a minute, but right before we get to that, all of a sudden yesterday – uh, we had election charges come down for the former uh, Juab County Clerk Auditor Elena Lofgren. And apparently earlier this year, Lieutenant Governor Deidre Henderson requested that there was an investigation after learning about alleged mishandling that was happening in the office, maybe some uh, ballots getting destroyed. So we have um, third-degree felony, third-degree, I think, third-degree felonies and misdemeanors on willful neglect of duty by a poll worker, destroying or concealing ballots. Um, altering public records. Mara, it's probably not a good thing when you hear something like this before an election. My understanding is everything that happened didn't do anything to alter the election, but it was bad behavior nonetheless. Yeah, and I think that's an important distinction. The elections were certified. They were double-checked. There was no problem with the election results, but rather her process. And apparently they're looking at both the 2020 race and the 2022 races. And when we talk about destroyed and altered, sometimes that refers to how long they were supposed to sit on the shelf to stay preserved. It doesn't mean it happened like someone took someone's ballot and ripped it up. Ripped it up, yeah. It meant they didn't store it properly. And those things really matter when it comes to overall integrity. Yeah. There has been a question of election integrity for the last few years. Uh, I think that this is a good move for Lieutenant Governor Henderson to actually show the role of the state elections office and the fact that she's on top of it. I mean, clearly she's on top of it. So this clerk isn't there anymore. And it didn't affect the integrity of the elections, but she is now charged, as you said, with eight counts, yeah. um, some a couple felonies and mostly misdemeanors about the handling and storage after. So, so this is this is I'm going to go broader than this, but I think stories like this are incredibly important because I think we have to be able to say without fear of shame that we're some election denier that that human beings are human beings, neither mistakes or even people that have ill will may uh, may interrupt voter or election integrity. So on October 27th, uh, the third largest city in New Jersey, uh, they, their AG came out and there were charges against the uh, Patterson City Council president, uh, who he, the city council member who was up for election in 2020 and his wife were uh, stealing mail-in ballots. They were fabricating them. There's about three different ways they were uh, interrupting the election and he is being charged. Uh, in And then just November 1st, in uh, Bridgeport, Connecticut. Oh uh, yeah, I saw that a, one too. The a, Northeast. You have a mayoral primary that is going to be has where their uh, results have been thrown out, and there's going to be a new election, and th- those are pretty big. Uh, 
consequences for what's gone on. And why I think these stories and the one with uh, Lieutenant Governor Deidre Henderson are important is we want transparency. We want chain of custody. We want we want ele- election integrity, and we should resist any argument that to question that um, makes you kooky or conspiratorial. Now, it, it always what you want to resist is if I won, of course it was pure and it was it made all the sense in the world. And if I lost, it must have been rigged. And everybody worries about selective outrage and selective logic. I think there's enough examples where there are times where people are there is election fraud that we have to be able to call it out. We have to improve our processes. We have to stare at how we do it to see if it could be more transparent and uh, and and not relegate that as some kind but of Greg, uh, if problem. you're going to argue we should have a serious discussion of it, you can't do false equivalencies. So, That's I mean, not false. So election deniers um, are people, in my mind, who there was a free and fair election that got certified and they still are denying the results. I think it's true that one of the things Americans need to find comfort in is that there can be some hiccups in the process and it doesn't mean that the outcomes were nefarious. But, but, and, yeah. and improving the process is really necessary. But when you say things like election fraud, one automatically defines that holistically as maybe the election was tainted. And what we're saying is there can be parts of the process that weren't adhered to. This happens in legislation as well, where you where a bill doesn't follow the proper recourse and they can say, hey, listen, committee, you needed to have done it this way. It doesn't mean that the bill was poor. It's not fruit of the poison tree. Well, you so went I, back to 20, I'm, I But I'm with but you if you want to talk about it, but you can't sort of wholesale say. Well, I, well, I never mentioned the 20. Election, that we're but having I'm telling these, you it, it, maybe I think that when you see these cases that I think it's hopefully good for the voter to see that keeping an eye we're holding I think people those accountable. discussions are great but I do think it, when if you're using them sort of so you're doing purposes. well you're doing exactly what I warned against we should be able to talk with this without someone saying well you're going back to the 2020 election but I'll tell you this the one that's getting overturned and they're going to revote the entire race because of what happened it's from the the closed caption television uh, or cameras of the the ballot box. It showed right. the the wholesale stuffing of ba- absentee yeah. ballots. And we should be and worried about that, but this we never should have happened that kind of, in Utah, but, and that's but, but not again, what's happening in Utah County. But you don't. I don't know that they have that kind of scrutiny on those uh, drop off boxes. All I'm saying is this: we need to be able to learn from these examples and improve our processes, and not do Mara really what you're doing and saying you must mean the 2020 election. Therefore, everything you say from this point on is feeding a conspiracy. I'm not. I'm saying that because of the discussion of 2020, we somehow aren't allowed to talk about, honestly, election uh, So here's a question I have. Concerned. You're not concerned about I'm not trying to redo the 2020 GWAB. election. You're I'm not saying, concerned about Juab. You I'm think concerned. that's been handled appropriately? I, I am. I'm glad that they're... I'm saying these are the moments where we can say when mistakes happen, we have to be open, yeah. honest about it and... and, and, and improve our processes right. and fix whatever it is right. that that allowed those so things to happen. So you're in support, though, Lieutenant Governor, and you're like, okay, at a girl, glad, you did that. Here's my I question before my we move on with election integrity. So there's been a lot of questions. Obviously, Republicans upset, um, some Republicans, not all Republicans, in the last presidential election about election integrity and concerns with ballots. My question is, if Republicans, and not just Republicans, even Democrats who are worried about the outcomes of elections, has there been anything done, or is it just like talk, complain, talk, complain, and then you get to the next election talk complaint. Are there any wholesale or nationwide or even statewide um, efforts to, if there were concerns about elections, is there anything being done to make sure that they're I mean, better? One of the br- next brightest time? spots was Congress passed 
a really significant addition to the certification of states balloting. And that was not insignificant. That was incredibly significant. And spoke, right? So that was the biggest outcome of those elections. But I do think it's what Greg is, I mean, like, I don't know that this would, the story we're talking about with Juab County, frankly, I don't think would have been a story 10 years ago because it wouldn't have been a point of public interest. So I do think elections and the election process is now a point of public interest and that in and of itself is a positive outcome and Heidi I think Representative Mike Schultz ran a bill where there'll be the uh, an audit of these election results from the legislative auditor as well looking at the work I think that's I think again more eyes more scrutiny I think nothing again I I don't know why anyone wouldn't want everyone's eyes on a process of collecting counting votes of those that are eligible to vote. I don't know how that would be a partisan issue. That should be just something we should all be able to join arms and and support. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so we have races coming up. Uh, The Utah CD2 race, I get hungry for poll numbers, even though I know polls don't matter because the only poll that matters is election day. But it's kind of a strange race um, where we have obviously just this one congressional seat happening right now. It's hard to keep your finger on the pulse of what how things are going. I think they had a great uh, civil debate. I just had in um, our Democratic candidate, Kathleen Reby, coming in, uh, Celeste Moyes coming in next week. You can look forward to that. So uh, there's a lot of conversations going on. I think there is interest happening. But Mara, uh, what are you hearing on the streets? Are, is there going to be a good turnout? Are people caring? Is this so, going to be close? I think I'll repeat what you said, which is these two candidates, these two women, have done several debates, if you will, and they've done them really well. So first, we should recognize when candidates want to talk policy issues, when they're civil to each other. And both of these candidates are incredibly civil, incredibly policy-oriented. They're good at differentiating their positions without being snarky. So really good candidate choices. Um, I think most of us feel like it'll be a lower turnout because the Tuesday before Thanksgiving is tough. Municipal elections are tough. It's just tough for people to remember. Now the boost they get is when it's sitting on your counter, you do, it's it's really nice to actually have your ballot. Back in the olden days when you need to remember, I think that was a tough recall. Um, So I think we're benefited by having the vote by mail in terms of turnout. But really if you're calling it, it's, it's a Republican race to win. I yeah, mean, it, it is it's just undeniably. And I think this is where the ballots on the counter are going to help because I've had multiple people uh, that I either work with or are close enough to that I talk about the elections enough should know when the election is that were like, okay, this is, they were thinking, you know, first Tuesday, you know, of the month and they were thinking, oh wait, when did it get changed to? Yeah. So it's probably good. We've got the physical reminder there. Greg, what are you hearing? Send your ballot in by the 12th. I, I do think it's um, a lot quieter. I actually thought that we would see the Salt Lake City mayoral race be a lot louder or, or draw more attention. Um, at least uh, maybe if you live inside the, the, the boundaries of the city, you're getting more mail or you feel like it's a, a hotter issue. That, but are there as, any polls in that race? I was searching yesterday because I kind of wanted yeah. to Both hear. Both camps have polls. They have their internal polls. <clears throat> but I haven't seen any public ones. And I am getting direct mail every day. And you, So you are. So you feel. So residents yeah, here in Salt Lake City probably feel like this are they is nasty a hotter or nice? campaign. Uh, direct mail? Yeah. So far, nice, but we're headed into the nasty season. Yeah. So, I mean, the tactic would be to have those drops. So ballots dropped for me on Monday. Mm-hmm. And so that's, I, I'm getting a lot of push out text messages. 
And um, I, I would expect to see the rhetoric ramp up next week because that's when most of us will pull out our ballot. And I would expect those to be. Are you seeing the, the challenger, Rocky Anderson? Uh, is is he popular? Is he is, yeah, is, is he she, making is, waves? Is Mayor Mendenhall reacting to anything? I mean, is there any dynamics like that going on? Yeah, I mean, I think he has been. The, the challenge with Rocky pulling punches is that's uh, that's to type. So in some yeah. way, do you know what I'm saying? Like, like Rocky pulling punches creates an opportunity. Um, Mendenhall is outspending two to one. She's got a bigger team. Yeah. She's had a PR team for a year. She's got an out-of-state manager. She's running a really sort of pro-up election for sure. Um, she's by far got more communications out there okay. um, and is running a more professional campaign. And, and she's really good at public relations. So one would expect it's still hers. I have seen some polling that show in striking distance. The other thing, remember, is Salt Lake's ranked choice voting. And you say, well, what does it matter? Well, the third guy, Valentine, the last public poll that Hinckley did, this was, what, two months ago? Yeah. It showed him, if I remember, at 5 or 7%. Well, that's not an insignificant number as your second yeah, you're place. Right. right? So he doesn't win, but do... Is it fair to think, well, you were voting against the incumbent, so your second choice is also going to roll against the incumbent? Yeah, so the way ranked choice voting works is that, that you know, you get the, you get multiple choices on your ballot. You don't just vote for one candidate. You're, vote, you're picking your preferences. So if your preferred candidate is eliminated, who, who did you, at, when you filled out that, that ballot, rank second? And to Mara's point, if you were not going with the incumbent in your first choice, the, the chances are that you would pick a non-incumbent for your second choice or third uh, could be strong. So you take all the, you take the candidates that are, that are running, and if they roll up to the challenger, all go to the challenger, then that collective number could beat the incumbent. Yeah, is, and is I do think we'll idea. see a lot of action in these next sort of 10 days. So here's my question. Are people going to be doing the ranked choice voting, or are they voting just for their candidates? I see people put... Post Posting on Twitter. Singles, right? Yeah, just the single. So my question is, are they going to use the ranked choice? I mean, what's interesting is I have seen, whether it's formally coming her from cam her campaign, I do not know. But I have seen a number of Erin Mendenhall supporters telling me to not use ranked choice. Um, she and actually tweeted that herself. And that's yeah. a smart move for her because she doesn't want what we just described. She doesn't want valentine's votes rolling into rocky anderson so um so she's discouraging the use of ranked choice vote yep which is a really interesting position for democrats because um you would think that they would be ranked choice voting in theory opens up the opportunities for more candidates um particularly yeah. the municipal the, the strongest argument for i'm not a fan of ranked choice voting but the strongest argument for it is that you're you're assured if people all participate that way that you're the person that wins will get over 50 percent whereas in a, a race of plurality 33 35 38 percent could be the not you know could win but a majority of people that voted voted against the one that won and so that kind of sits wrong with people so they want to see someone get over 50 percent. here's what i do think is going on in salt lake and i think that, that you still have to give the odds to the incumbent but i I'm interested, this started actually with Donald Trump. More and more, there's a difference between the dialogue and the reporting we're doing with our peer group and how we vote. And I'm wondering, mm. I'm wondering if there's a disconnect between how people are talking about what they want. We used to call want. that the shy Trump vote. Exactly. Yeah. And so I'm wondering if there's a shy Rocky vote here. But it looks like, I mean, it should be the Aaron Mendenhall's to win. 
Yeah, that's what it seems like. I kind of wish we would have had the rank choice when we're going back to the Jim DeBacchus yeah. uh, mayoral race because there were so many and it seemed like there was a lot of good candidates. Yeah. And so it would have been, I think, more interesting to see it play out there than this time. But I agree. Or you want a super old especially. school at the yeah. Dave Jones race could have really oh, used yeah. a rank choice. Nice. Yeah. Going old Dave Going Jones. Old or on even us. in the gubernatorial yeah. race that uh, Greg Hughes was a part of. Um, <laughs> I think it would have been, because we had so many solid candidates yeah. too, I think it would have been interesting there, which I think is probably why we end up getting after a couple of big races like that. Well, we're concentrating on this current election cycle. All of a sudden, we have people dropping their names for the U.S. Senate race and running for governor, which sort of surprises me right now that names are coming out for there. So Carolyn Fippen, I think Mara or somebody mentioned that you thought she was going to get into the race. She officially got into the race. Uh, anyone have experience with her, know about her? She, she worked formidable? for Greg. Yeah, so she was. She, a, she worked for the, the House. She was a House staffer when I was Speaker. She's a, she's a Draperite, a neighbor. I know her. Well, and uh, she did a great job. She did a phenomenal job on policy and communications in the House. And as a candidate, I have to tell you, if she's going to be a good candidate, it'll be what she learned with us. Not not when she yeah. went to work for Senator Lee. Yeah. So I, she was a Senator Lee you, staffer, you too. You should take credit yeah. for all the things she is. <laughs> well, Just her right. campaign photos look sort of <laughs> Carrie yeah. Lake-esque. Do like with I, her haircut. Somebody and like sent me a, a compare. Yeah. <laughs> like a next to, they do very, very much so. I don't know if that was planned, but they kind of do look the sim- similar. But she's, look, she's going to debate well. She knows the issues well. She's a, she's a conservative. Uh, that race, uh, you know, Brad Wilson, the current Speaker of the House, and he's leaving that post and running full-time for U.S. Senate. Um, they have different strengths, uh, but he's he is a, a fundraising juggernaut. Uh, we, it would take someone to even, I, I think, to even give him a serious race. You better have media buys and an infrastructure and, a, and fundraising ability to be able to get your message out. I don't think anyone really knows these candidates, any of these candidates very, very well. Yeah, we have six uh, Republicans so already. What yeah. The way you get to know the, those that are going to vote for you or against you is you have to introduce yourself, and that's going to take media buys, and it's going to take a lot of money in addition to the grassroots. So you got to have both. And, uh, you know, so that's going to be, I think, Carolyn Phippen's greatest challenge will be the fundraising side. I'm not saying she can't. I'm saying that's, we're seeing a proven tra- uh, track record of fundraising for Brad Wilson you're, you, she's going to have to show that. And Trent Stagg is going to have to show that too. Yeah. Uh, Brad has a big head start. He's over, he's like two million south on least. two million though. Yeah. I think it's like two and a half, maybe yeah. closer yeah. to three. What do you think so. about her launch of her campaign? Because you deal with this kind of thing. Did she do it the right time, the wrong time? Did she get a splash? She got a splash, right? She got a good round of press coverage. Um, and she seemed like she was able to define, frame herself, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone wants to say, I want to frame myself the way I want to. Mm-hmm. She came out. I mean, I can repeat sort of what she wanted and I wasn't, I was sort of paying casual attention. I think she did a power shot. I think she firmly put herself strongly right of center and she really held down the territory of non-politician, which is an interesting play. I'm not sure that that I I would have done that, but I think she got a really good round of press for someone of her current profile, which is not a diss at all. Like just I think she did really well. And I'm I don't think this round of six, I think only a few of them are going to survive to be viable. And I think she probably has the background to stay in play. And here's what I love. I, I just want this to be a, a hotly contested Senate race. Do you remember, you know, Bob Bennett versus uh, Joe Cannon? That was a race of the ages. I mean, you have, it's an open United States Senate seat. It shouldn't be any, there should be no coronation. There should be there no, should no It shouldn't be a cakewalk. Let this be 
and abs- let it be let it be a good contest let it be hard let i as much as i didn't like hard races when i was a candidate it always it's a refiner's fire it makes you a better public servant when you've been through a very tough campaign so i want this to be a tough campaign Interesting. And speaking of that campaign, Brad Wilson was officially relieved of his seat. I believe it was last night. Ariel DeFay, or Ariel, I'm not sure how you say your name, will represent his house, District 15. I guess it's her house district now. My apologies. In it's Davis her County. house district on November 15th. November 15th. Yeah, she, 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 he has a couple more weeks. So he's got a couple more weeks. And that's when he's going to be replaced officially as house speaker as well. Is that when the yeah. inside election's happening? Yeah. And are we thinking that Schultz is the guy, or does he have stiff competition? He does have competition. Mm-hmm. Um, Melissa Ballard Garf, Garf yeah. is... Uh, also throwing her hat in, we hear. Um, so my understanding is that there's an interim day there. So the Republican caucus will get together. They will choose who their nominee is. And, you know, Greg has talked more about the, he, he, he knows more about this than I do, but we have an incredibly positive tradition yes. in Utah in which the whole house anonymously confirms our speaker regardless of, or unanimously confirms the speaker regardless of the party. So I suspect then it's, I think that on the 14th, the Republicans will caucus. They're in interim day, which already is enumerated. Yeah. They'll hold a special session at the end of that. Um, and that's when, so we're not going to have a U.S. house debacle. No, you're going to have, you're going to see them. Uh, they're going to ha- convene in a special, uh, session or whatever they call it but um the house will come together and i think it is by example and it's not the case in many i don't know how many states this would be the case but certainly doesn't happen in u.s congress usually the democrats will vote for their their caucus leader as the speaker and then the republicans vote for their leader you know the person who got the most votes as speaker and the one that has the most votes wins that's not the way we do it in utah it is a unanimous it's a voice vote it's unanimous and it really sends the important message that the Speaker of the House is not the majority leader of a of a particular party or caucus. They are the they are the Speaker of the whole House, and it really is a different job uh, than being the majority leader of your caucus. And so, I love that that is is the way that Utah does it. And it's hats off to Republicans and Democrats that serve in our state legislature. Has it always been that way? That I'm aware of, yes. Yep. Now, there's always been a prospect. You don't have to. I mean, there was a Speaker's race that only was. The winner only won by one single vote, and there was conversation about the one that lost by one vote might go over to the Democrats mm. and look to to make it interesting, but it didn't happen. What race was that? You don't uh, want to dig I up old rem- bones. I can't remember. <laughs> I feel like you're not telling the truth to me. You're fibbing. No, you're like, I remember I vaguely yeah. there was this one. Vote. There was this one time, this one race. I. I would tell you that the circumstances I shared are true, whether I remember or not. I, <laughs> okay, that I, 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 I'll take I, your I'm word sure. for that. And in our absence of hanging out together, we actually finally got a new U.S. House Speaker, Mike Johnson. And he has his work cut out for him because, like we said, he has this you know fiscal cliff we're coming up on in a couple of weeks. He also has big votes for funding Israel um, and for Ukraine. And so it'll be interesting to see what he actually gets accomplished. I have been getting a lot of texts from his campaign. I should note that I signed up for texts with the RNC and DNC mm. when I went and covered it a couple of years ago. And as much I, as I want to hit stop so they'll stop coming, I like to see what's actually happening on there. I get invited to some interesting uh, Democratic Party picnics and they think I'm a different person every time they text me. I don't think they know whose number this is. And then I get all these fundraising requests, too. And right now, he is fundraising hard. But uh, when he's not fundraising, he's got work to do. So who wants to go first? What's he going to accomplish? Is he going to be able to accomplish things, or is he not a real leader yet? And 
We're going to find out. I'll go first. Okay. I I think this guy's a complete Cinderella story. I I don't think anyone thought uh, this was someone that that the whole caucus could rally around and you could get the necessary votes. We've, I've been, it's not a secret. I've said it on this podcast many times. I'm so frustrated that eight Republicans, uh, only eight out of 221 Republicans in Congress, teamed up with every single Democrat to unseat McCarthy. I thought that when eight Republicans do that to the rest of their caucus, you have just really hurt that caucus in terms of them coalescing around anyone. Yep. And I was I was very worried what that would look like and if they could ever find a candidate. And you saw how many rounds and how many candidates failed because of the lack of trust amongst those Republican members of Congress towards each other. And, uh, and so you saw this Tom Emmer, he lost. And literally on the same day, uh, they came and coalesced around uh, Mike Johnson. And what I'm told, and I have, I have uh, people that are in proximity to this that aren't even part of our Utah delegation, but people that, are, that, that work with members of uh, Congress. And it's what I thought too. It, it's, it's not so much your, your position on specific policies as it, as it is a human relationship of trust. And if you feel like this person is going to you know, have your back or that you can work with them in a constructive way because they represent such different districts. I mean, those districts that they represent are very different. You have 30, I think, members of the Republican Congress that Biden won their congressional district. So if you don't think that speaker is conservative enough, there's 30 House Republicans who think McCarthy was about as conservative as they could handle and, and make their case in their next election. And so you had some real difficult dynamics. And what I was told is, well, Speaker Johnson is very conservative and he's, he has his rudder in the water and he's very pronounced in what he believes. There is a personal relationship with him and a level of trust that he has with every single member of their caucus, but even I'm told with Democrats, where they respect him. And that was really the, the, the ingredient that allowed him to get the necessary votes to, uh, to become Speaker, which happened, I think, in a real unexpected way. He, he, was, he had a leadership role, but it was like about five tiers down as like the vice chair of the caucus or whatever. But anyway. Mike Morris actually vying for that position. Yeah. So look, I think that was a, I, I, that was a surprise. And then you have to laugh at all the Democrats that voted to get rid of McCarthy. How's that working out for them? Are they happier with, uh, with Mike Johnson as the speaker than they are with McCarthy? Because without their votes, their unanimous votes, he would not have been unseated. So I wonder if the Democrats are think this in hindsight, that was the move to make or not. So I think there's three different pods that I'm thinking. And one is how will this guy do leading his own caucus or conference? How will he do representing the house with other entities like the Senate and the white house? And then third, as the banner carrier for the house, how is he going to do in the election? And I have sort of three scenarios. So one thing that I think is most interesting about this is I don't think his relationships are known yet. I I think, and I think it's a half a dozen and six on whether one could argue that McCarthy's problem is that he had too many chits out and he, he had brokered for 15 years and there was, it was too complicated. This guy has none of the complications of that and that may free him up to do some amazing thing. But I agree with Greg's assessment that really what matters are relationships and I'm not sure he has them. That is not to say he can't get them and he can't get them really quickly. But from all you hear, he's only been in Congress for six years. He's new, yeah. Now, I mean, to juxtapose that, uh, you know, we most speakers have been there for, you know, Paul Ryan was there for 16 years before he became the House Speaker. So for me, I'm not trying to put a wet blanket on it. I'm saying it's an entire unknown. I 
don't think his caucus knows him, let alone you're seeing every Democrat actually say, I don't know him. Mm -hmm. The Senate is saying they don't know him and the White House doesn't know him. So I'm not saying that's a failure, but I'm saying, wow, that's a risky move that you're number one negotiator. The other thing I think we should all be paying close attention to if we like the inside workings of things and the failure of the House to do the inside workings is which does he get seasoned staff? Because his staff in his Louisiana office is not going to be seasoned. And Greg did this really well. The decorum and representing the body really matters. He needs a couple of people who can do the some good people really him. antiquated, nuanced rules and procedures, or otherwise the House is frankly going to get rolled by the Senate. And so one is, is he smart enough to staff up smart and get seasoned Republicans? Yeah. Mm-hmm. staffers because he doesn't have the chops right now to navigate the house and that's not a that's where he is in his career that's not an intellectual problem um the third though is in terms of the election so this guy should be characterized as a social conservative right and he's really gone all in on social issues and what we know from the midterms and what we know from early polling is the Democrats have an edge on social issues because of ultra-conservatives. And I'm speaking nationally and generally. Mm-hmm. This will get parsed. So I think abortion rights will be a big one in the next And election, Republicans yeah. are coming out usually on the bad side of that. So if I was a Democrat, I would be like, great that this guy's the standard bearer because all the polling is telling me that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to make him the archetype of what you get when you vote Republican, which is yeah. what happened with Nancy Pelosi. Like Nancy Pelosi became such an archetype on liberal issues that it was very easy for Republicans to say, I mean, we heard it in in Utah over and over, oh, a vote for so-and-so is a vote for Nancy Pelosi. I think he might become a vote for your guy is a vote. So he might end up cutting against, if you were were a strategist sitting in the RCCC, you might wish it wasn't him being your poster child. You might wish for a Paul Ryan or a Kevin McCarthy who sort of had navigated those waters. Yeah. This guy's gone all in on that. So those are three totally different games, if you will. And I don't mean games as a pejorative, but three totally different spheres of influence. Can he actually make the relationships to make his caucus work? In that case, I'm saying that being an unknown and not having a lot of chits in actually helps him i'm uncertain whether he is prepared to navigate the intra relationships where we're talking about now the senate and the white house and i think he is going to be a gift to the democrats in the 24 election cycle and and i don't want to i'm not going to retort but i just want to there's a couple things you said that i just i i want to just mention really quickly so uh where he's not well known i would argue that he was known well enough where in the most emotional and most probably vitriolic moment in I don't know how long of that house, this is the one man that was able to get 217 people unanimously to vote. And he's known for having side. a great personality. And that is, and that is no small feat. That if that is a, if that is a, if that is a, if that is a, uh, if that's a refiner's fire, I mean, that's, that was quite the feat to do given the circumstance that met most felt that eight had put them in. Uh, that was, uh, that is, that takes a skill set and a, an authenticity that I think is going to carry him very well on the election. He was asked specifically just, I listened to like a 40 minute interview with him. You know, he was an attorney for those States that had constitutional amendments to finding marriage. And he was uh, defending those constitutional amendments in court. A lot that's come up a lot in these political issues that the Democrats feel like they have the advantage. He has said very clearly that the state, the Supreme court has 
defined this and that he is he is a rule of law a Republican and he is not looking to challenge any of that. So you're not going to see any kind of yeah, I LGBT. I remember when Kavanaugh said the, do- uh, the row was settled too. Yeah, well, you're not going to see any LGBT uh, issues that are going to be for first, you know, front burner. Um, he sees that he sees the the Roe decision as one that states have to decide. I don't think you're going to see them spearhead that. But what you do see in say for Israel, the funding for Israel, he's using a term that Americans haven't heard for a while: the pay fors. If you want to spend more money. Uh, as we as we suffer through inflation and we suffer through higher interest rates, the pay fors to send fourteen billion dollars to Israel needs to come from something else. So you got to take what you were spending over here and lower this if you want to spend it over here. I think that will resonate with the with the American people in terms of getting a hold of or controlling uh, inflation, interest rates. The economy is going to be a major issue. Although so he on the wants election to slash side, from the IRS, and some people say, depending on how you do the math, that maybe it sounds good on the surface, but it may cost more in the end. But well, and, look, man, and if he shuts rich down the people government, are all lawyered up with accountants and lawyers. That, 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 that IRS, 86,000 And if he shuts down employees. the government in doing this, I mean, you're still looking at a Senate that's getting things done and a White House getting things done and a House of Representatives that can't walk, let alone well, they, shoot guns. It is math, and if they can get their votes, they're going. Look, I have never thought that what the House sends over to the Senate will not will come back unscathed. There is there is a process Unless here. Unless the Senate decides now, to if roll the, the Senate House decides it it's our way or the highway, yeah. then you will see a shutdown. But I don't I don't know that you can lay that at the feet of the Republicans if they are unwilling to negotiate. Because I've always imagined that whatever they send to the Senate. Uh, Majority Leader um, Schumer is going to say we're some. This is they're going to have to compromise somewhere, and I don't know that he can get his entire caucus for what that would be to come back. Which you'll need Democrats for. But the ineptness that is of not being able to seat a leader for twenty-one days does not leave you in an immense power position. But I when, mean, but like, once you have like it, Mara, you can't caucus. ignore that. The, their proposal came. They are the House right. representative. It deserves consideration. It deserves a negotiation. And if the Senate just says we want everything we want and we don't want to consider anything different. I don't know that that splash is only on the Republicans or the House by itself. Right. you got to sit in a room and, and have that conference committee. That's part of the process. But the Senate is going to be more adroit than that. I think back to Johnson. I mean, I just what I like is this is all unknown. It is unknown. I, we, we, I, yes. That's an interesting. And, and those It'll who be are interesting saying, to see how it rolls out. I think it's out. sort of fun because I don't think there was anything fun for the country when we've got real things needing to go on where you've got you know, weeks where you don't have a house leader. But in some ways, I think the American people and just the public at large don't understand how things work in Congress mm-hmm. and there's kingmakers and things automatically happen. So watching the process play out, I thought was somewhat educational. It wasn't pretty and I don't think that it probably helped Republicans, but I thought it was interesting watching. And the weird thing is we keep talking about, you know, he's untested, he um, doesn't have these proven relationships. So on one hand, we look at people like the Nancy Pelosi's and Mitch McConnell's where like, okay, this was not meant to be like, what you do till you get buried someday right but then the other hand you've got people who don't have the experience so you know do we want people who are new and short term like serving these positions or do we need people to stay longer is there a halfway point so i don't know he'll be a fun one to watch he talks about the math and perfect not being the enemy of good in ways that i don't i've not heard people in congress speak about before i was actually really taken back by his interview in terms of some of the the practical. I don't think uh, I heard that. Where'd you watch it at? It was Sean Hannity, okay. and to Somara's heard it. She's heard it because oh. she she's a hands on. Sean she watches that show religiously over and um, over. But it helps me sleep. So I actually, it was on Twitter, and I was on a road trip, and so I was able to listen to it, the forty minutes of it. But it was incredibly informative. But what I heard is, I heard some legislative uh, levers that he was referring to that I haven't heard. I didn't even know if members in, of Congress even knew 
how to pay for something if you want to actually pass something or how how it takes to get numbers to pass of something and you can't let perfect be the enemy. I didn't know that they were even in that realm. So I was glad to hear it and actually really actually surprised to hear it. I have a question. Someone sent me a video the other day. This is random, off topic. It was like a TikTok video going over just money and what happens in politics. And it was talking about how if you get a committee assignment, the bigger the committee assignment and the more important in the U.S. Uh, Congress that you actually have to pay your party for that. Is, does that yeah. really happen? You have to it's pay? It's terrible. Yeah, it's it's. I don't like that. In yeah. 2010, How did I, not I was, know that, and I deal with politics all the time. Uh, I was recruited, or there was an effort uh, to convince me to run in 2010 for Congress, and I went back there, and they took me to the the RNCC's boiler room. You know, the, the Glen Gary, Glenn money. Ross, coffees for closer. You know, whiteboard. You know, literally headpiece on your head in a cubicle fundraising all day with a whiteboard. If you you haven't been there to picture it, Uh, the party, both party headquarters are across the street. So like you can be escorted from your day job as a public servant to your night job as a fundraiser. Begging for money. All at the headset on all day. And they've so normalized this. Yeah. And you you have, and I'm looking at this whiteboard and you, to be a committee, you have to, as a committee, you have to raise a certain amount of money. If you want to do, I looked at all that and I just, but mm -mm, Heidi, you point out something really interesting is that from the outside looking in, you're like, you're paying for this position. Yeah. They've so normalized it that they've built it into sort of your school spirit. Like, no, no, no. So it's, it's like how the PTA much, it's how much you're getting. Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah, like you were just the number one Republicans candy elected. bar seller. And so we like you the best. And you're like, no, you're not. I you're just like paying for this position. It's, it feels it's, more like that. It's that but, but I'll tell you what, the, but the other side of that coin is if, and, and so Mike Johnson was not a ferocious fundraiser. He didn't sit in those cubicles much. He didn't do a lot of that. He's not known for now. fundraising. Yeah. So the question <laughs> is, the if, you, if you're not going to go do that, how are you going to raise money? Because it is, a, it is campaigns. We said this about the, other, the Senate race. It's a money game. if he doesn't show his ability to earn money, he will not be the speaker well, for very long. Be, because the practical side of it is you have yeah, to have resources yeah. to get elected. It's just how that works. I can tell you that Ugh, the state house I know money makes the world go round, doesn't but have nasty. to sit in cubicles. Yeah. I mean, you can, there is a, I think there is a different way that can happen than the way it's happening right now. All right. Well, I would like it to happen. Speaking of money, um, Romney's book uh, debuting on the New York Times bestselling list is number three. So this is uh, a biggie for McKay Coppins. You don't think it's going to be number one? No, I have either of there. you uh, bought the book, sat down to read it Heavens yet no. i haven't but talking uh, speaking to your question earlier about how was that round of press i mean man romney's round of press was off the chart right? he did that as well as you can do that he got every and, and his audience diversity was huge i mean the platforms he so whoever his pr company is should get a standing ovation there i mean all the lighting was beautiful the diversity of interview he covered the right side but he also covered sort of non-political and mainstream he positioned himself in so many different ways like whoever did that round of launching this book did a great job yeah and the interesting thing is is that his announcement we've talked about in here could have made him a lame duck that didn't matter until his term ends i feel like this sort of gave him a little bit of you know glitz and glamour and rock star status until he does finish with this book coming out maybe i'm wrong i 
sometimes don't like to spend money on books. There, I said it. So I get them from the library. But I got on the wait list too long. I'm like number 176. Really? Is it that long? Yeah. But the audio book is shorter for some reason. So I'm listening on audio. I'm buying it for Greg for Christmas. Sure. There you go. Don't tell him. Don't do that. Don't buy me that book. I'm not going to. I'm not going to read that book. Okay. I think it's. I think maybe it's we all, can all save money. I'll buy it. We'll pass it around and each share. I would it. buy it if he. I, I am so jealous of Representative Mike Schultz. He is cried about, complained about in that book by Mitt Romney. I don't know what I could have done to not deserve to be complained about, but I'm not in there, and I'm I'm just crushed. What did, um, why did I miss? I haven't even seen what. What did he complain? Yeah, about he Schultz said about? that that Mike Schultz, after he voted to impeach. Uh, uh, Trump, he came to the, the he, he took the, the red eye or whatever. He came right away to the legislature to explain why he voted the way he did, knowing it wouldn't be well received. And he said that in his book that uh, that Mike Schultz uh, questioned his bona fides as a conservative and a Republican, and that he complained that he was not invited to one of his fundraisers. And uh, Mike Schultz has clarified that, along with others that have clarified things like Oprah Winfrey and how she feels she was mischaracterized in that book. But he said that. He just he showed that there were things he said when he ran for Senate in Massachusetts versus the positions he took when he was president. His uh, glowing endorsement of Trump when Trump endorsed him for president in twelve versus his criticism in sixteen, and was really trying to boil down to the to the concern of his is which Romney am I talking to right now? Because you have this ability to pivot all over the place, and as far as the uh, the, the fundraiser, it was. He was because he had endorsed, uh, I think, Mike Kennedy in the in the primary. He was told by Mitt Romney's uh, chief of staff to not uh, mm. attend the 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 fundraiser he was participating in with House members. And I just told think this launch to, and reception so. shows how relevant he still is. which yeah. surprised me a little. Yeah, yeah, remember, it's his version. So he of went his after life. Mike, and Mike gets to explain that. Well, I, didn't I do enough to get in the book? I've you, complained. You keep being belligerent, Greg. <laughs> and maybe you'll make it in, because if this one sells well, maybe there'll be a part two. I of got Mike. ripped off. I wanted to be in the book with Mike. You mm. really wanted to be yeah. in there and yelled at? Yeah, have you had, awesome. Have you gone? It's a badge of honor. Have you had bad incidences with Ronnie? No. Well, no. Maybe you're well, in it and we don't know and we got to just go find good, the book so and my only search point Greg Cusa. I had great meetings with him. They just didn't pan out as the meeting was described or the answers were described to me. The, hmm. the meeting didn't match the, the, uh, the term in office, I guess. So, but interesting. It wasn't contentious when I spoke with Matt. That's probably why you've hit it. That's probably why, but I've complained. Okay. That doesn't count. Doesn't count. You c- just, if you do the softer side of Sears, that yeah. doesn't work. It doesn't yeah. count. Shoot. No, that doesn't count. Darn it. I know you got to, you've been arguing. What's the governor's, to be kinder when you argue. What's oh, his, that's right. Oh, yeah, disagree, disagree better. Disagree better. So you're disagreeing better is the problem. Sorry, Governor, for not Darn remembering it. how to say that correctly. So if you just Kay. disagree worse, then you can then make headlines. No, that is not ever advice that Greg <laughs> <laughs> I have to get, so I'm not, that I'm just not, not cutting enough. I'm not, I'm just, I'm, I'm a wilting violet. You're going to have to accept you're not in this book. Disagree, take two yeah. podcast style. It's better. Else. I know. I, right. I do. I feel like when Mara's book comes out, though, yeah. I feel like you'll complain a little bit about Greg and let him have a few lines, or no? No, I you can have you can have a, <laughs> oh have a chapter in my book oh, of no. offenses. You, there, yeah, like, there is no way you, you would sh- like. I'm going to include photos of you in my I, book. Th- there's libel That's laws that must apply <laughs> in an effort like that. I would never let that happen. Okay, well, well, I try. we'll have to wait and see if the book happens. See, yeah. if I say I never let yeah. that happen, that's a guarantee she will just go. Yeah, because you remember one of the ghost writers was a Utah uh, reporter. So, mm. I yeah, I've access. listened to his interviews. I have access. Yeah, no, 
don't. Interesting. Um, I've always wanted to write a book. And so maybe I won't write my own. I'll write yours for you. Although if I write a book, mine is going to be titled Underwear Has Two Sides. I know that draws you in, right? You're like, what is this story going to be about? It's going to be about reporting in the field. And sometimes you get sent out for a week at a time and you have one outfit. You flip your underwear for two sides. After that, you have to make the decision. Wash them out. TMI. Or just keep wearing them. Could we do a chapter Uh, on take two? Absolutely. Uh, Yes. All right. That's, that's all hey, Ron Bird's running for uh, for uh, Senate. <laughs> that, you didn't even mention that. That's that was Rod that was, Bird. Did I write Ron? No, that's you wrote Rod, but I thought you meant oh. Ron. I thought you meant KUTB's Ron Bird's going to run for U.S. Senate. Well, he's got good name ID. He so does. He does. I think he'd have the highest name ID of the crew. Yeah, why I'll not? Talk to him about it. All right. Okay. Well, it's been fun hanging out today. Yes. I'm glad we finally got to some politics. <laughs> it's important. 